More games, more injuries, more stories. We'll talk about all of that and a whole lot more next on Baseball HQ Radio. Learn to play the winner's way, because Baseball HQ Radio starts right now. And here's your host from BaseballHQ.com, columnist Patrick Davitt. And welcome to Baseball HQ Radio for Friday, April the 15th. It's show number 14 of the 2022 fantasy baseball season. I am Patrick Davitt, your host, and we do have another great Friday news and notes edition for you. We'll have our Market Watch player news reports. Harold Nichols has coverage of the National League, including injuries to Blake Snell, Taiwan Walker, and Annabelle Sanchez, the anemia affecting the Philadelphia outfield, and a new speed source in Arizona. And with Ray Murphy taking a well-earned vacation, Nick also has the American League news, including injuries to Teoscar Hernandez, Luis Patino, and Alex Kirilov, as well as a bullish new analysis of Detroit outfielder Austin Meadows. We'll also have our regular commentaries from the expert analysts at BaseballHQ.com, the best fantasy baseball website in the business. In the frequent flyer, Baseball HQ analyst Alex Becky looks at Dodgers right-handed starter Bobby Miller. And in extra innings, I'll be talking about hot starts by three Cleveland hitters, and only one of them who you might have expected. It's another big Friday full edition. Thanks for joining us here at Baseball HQ Radio. Hey, what do you say? We gotta talk some baseball. And in the first inning of this Friday news and notes edition, our Market Watch Player News reports. Harold Nichols has the American League report in just a minute, and leading off, Harold Nichols has the National League news. Nick, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Patrick. Good to be here. Let's start in San Diego. Some bad news in the rotation there. It seems like they're always having bad news in their rotation there. Uh, Blake Snell goes to the injured list with an adductor strain. I don't even know what an adductor is, but whatever it is, he strained it, and uh, they've called up prospect Mackenzie Gore for a start Friday. Geez, uh, Mackenzie Gore looked pretty good in the preseason. He did. No, no idea at this point how long Snell will be out, but we had been dropping his innings in favor of Gore recently, and this injury is going to take some time. Once the game's uh, top pitching prospect, Gore had been mechanically out of whack for the past two seasons, rebounded back into form this past spring, tossing 12 innings of uh, 16 strikeouts, three walks in Cactus League play. Experience could be a factor here, as Gore has seen less than 60 innings pitched in the high minors, but he tossed five scoreless innings, seven strikeouts, no walks in his AAA opener, and he has as much upside as any rookie starting pitcher. So our immediate inning pitch projection could out, turn out to be low. Uh, his skill set can be found uh, in the uh, the call-ups uh, space on Baseball HQ. Uh, it, it could be a, an excellent addition, but uh, as we say, he, he is a rookie, uh, and batters will eventually adjust to him. And then the challenge is, can he adjust back, of course, and that's the uh, cat-and-mouse game that uh, is Major League Baseball, is baseball in general, I suspect. It, an interesting thing about uh, Mackenzie Gore's spring training performance, 16 walk, uh, sixteen strikeouts, sorry, three walks in uh, in those preseason games, and people get excited about that, but we have to temper our excitement about that kind of performance because in many instances he's not facing major league hitters when he's getting those fine stats right that's true and so they you know you can't we, we always say not to put too much into uh into the spring stats and certainly a lot of those stats did not come against a major league lineup 
Having said that, I think the AAA performance might be a, a strong indicator for us to what to expect when he gets his start on Friday and presumably going ahead uh, during the season with Blake Snell on the IL. Seven strikeouts, no walks. It's only AAA, I understand that, but uh, AAA is, is not nothing, and his big problems seem to be command and control when he was struggling in his past major league uh, attempts and in his minor league play, all of a sudden, if he's got that figured out, he's certainly got the stuff to be a successful major league pitcher. And I'm really curious to see what kind of fab bidding goes on this weekend on Mackenzie Gore in leagues where he's not already rostered. Yeah, very definitely. I mean, uh, certainly if he's not already rostered, I think there'll be some heavy fab bidding unless he completely blows up in the Friday start. And, uh, uh, you know, he was someone we we were very excited about uh, a, a year or two ago. So I think, think someone to certainly put on your fab list and, and, to, and to watch as we head into the weekend and see how he does in this first start. And of course, depending on your league rules, a lot of people would have had Mackenzie Gore on their reserve rosters or minor league rosters, but then he gets called up just enough in some leagues to qualify him as a major leaguer, which means you can't hoard him anymore and you have to make some tough roster decisions a year ago or two years ago when those things occurred. And now maybe he's uh, got a little more availability than we otherwise might expect in leagues like that. Uh, Staying with pitching prospects, Nick, the Cincinnati Reds uh, recalled left-hander Nick Lodolo from AAA on Wednesday, uh, they sent uh, Daniel Duarte down to Louisville. Tom Kephart covered the story for playing time today. Uh, Lodolo was a big fab target in a lot of leagues this week that I saw, but uh, de- his debut, not so great. No, debut, not so great. He had a very rough major league uh, debut. Well, I mean, seven hits, five earned runs, in four innings pitched, four strikeouts, three walks. So, uh, you know, certainly not a, not a great first beginning uh, injured starters, right-handed pitcher Luis Castillo and left-handed pitcher Mike Miner, both currently on the IL with shoulder issues, likely to join the starting rotation within the next few weeks. So his ability, his, his rotation spot could be imperiled unless his import performance improves fairly quickly. Uh, he had strong uh, MLEs in the minors, though uh, uh, thrown a few minor league innings as he batted, battled injuries since uh, 2021. Uh, limited him to only 50.2 and he's pitched. So, uh, you know, one of those things we're not sure exactly how he's going to do. He's certainly going to have to improve from the way he pitched uh, in his in his first performance. We should expect Duarte back relatively quickly because Cincinnati's bullpen is pretty thin. And speaking of the Reds' bullpen, it might get a little thicker. Uh, relief pitcher Lucas Sims is going to go out on his rehab assignment uh, this was covered by Tom Kephart as well. How soon do we see Lucas Sims back in the bullpen, maybe closing games for the Reds? Well, yeah, well, he can't. Uh, his his uh, return can't come too soon for the Cincinnati bullpen. Uh, was used in both a one-inning role and a multiple-inning reliever in 2021, in both setup and as a closer. Uh, Cincinnati is likely to continue that pattern of using its most effective relievers in high-leverage situations. Unknown how Sims' return will impact the usage of uh, Tony Santillian, who seems to be a preferred high leverage option. Uh, Sims displayed career best Dom control command in 2021, though he remains prone to occasional bouts of wildness and has been susceptible to home runs. But uh, at least uh, he should be back soon. Not the ballpark you want to be pitching in if you're susceptible to home runs. No, very definitely not. In New York, there was a lot of interest this year in leagues 
Taiwan Walker was being talked up by a lot of touts as a possible guy, a, a bit of a, not a sleeper exactly, like nobody heard of him, but a sleeper in the, to the extent that uh, you might be able to get a real bargain on him. Uh, unfortunately, if you did get a bargain on him, the bargain seems to have gone to a bit of a bust. Uh, Taiwan Walker placed on the 10-day IL on Tuesday, and he has right shoulder bursitis. And boy, you hate to hear anything to do with the shoulder when you're talking about pitchers. Yeah, you, you do indeed. Uh, for right now, we're just making a minor adjustment in his projected innings. Uh, Walker said attributes the issue to a shortened spring training and believes he'll be back very soon. Uh, might want to take that assessment with a grain of salt. Walker uh, already had had a knee issue this spring, and this trip to the IL will be the sixth of his career. Uh, most notably, he missed most of 2018 and 2019 with an elbow injury that led to Tommy John surgery. So, uh, you know, this is a guy who's been injured a lot, and so I'm, I'm not uh, optimistic that he'll be back uh, as, as soon as his 10 days are up. Uh, his rotation spot is likely to go to David Peterson, who threw four shutout innings in relief on Monday. Uh, Peterson has had occasional success in the majors, a former first-rounder with a 3.90 XERA during the first half of 2021 before a foot injury prematurely ended his season. His roster spot went to Edwin Diaz, who was returning from a bereavement leave. If you're going to have an injury for a pitcher, you want it to be a foot injury, right? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Much rather have a foot injury than a uh, than an elbow or shoulder injury. And and now this is this is something that, that should concern anybody who's got Taiwan Walker on a roster. He's had elbow trouble. It's Tommy John surgery that you mentioned, Nick. And now shoulder trouble. And there's a, a phenomenon called the kinetic chain injury, which is something gets hurt and the, and you alter your mechanics in any sport, you know, your wrist is sore. So you try to compensate by, you know, reducing your wrist rotation and that causes elbow problems. And then your elbow gets sore. So you change your uh, approach again and now your shoulder gets sore. And uh, it's like that old song, the, the elbow bone connected to the shoulder bone, you know, the, the novelty song from the sixties, but it's really true. And, and when you get a guy like a Taiwan Walker, you mentioned, has been on and off the IL, I think you said six times in his career. It starts to make you wonder if it's not just being injury prone, but whether the uh, elbow bone is connected to the shoulder bone. Chronically injured players never get 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 healthy all of a sudden. And so that's one of our, our uh, mantras here at Baseball HQ. So certainly we have to call uh, Walker a chronically injured player, and it's it's hard to know when or how much time he'll actually get. In the, in the near future. Yeah, that's one of the rules. Uh, we have a, another mantra at Baseball HQ that we've always followed, which is once you display a skill, you own it. But increasingly, people are starting to think of the ability to just stay on the field as a skill. And certainly at this point, we have to believe that Taiwan Walker has displayed the anti-skill of being hurt a lot. And once he has that, he owns that too. Uh, speaking of injuries, a Washington Nationals right-hander Annabelle Sanchez was placed on the 10-day injured list on Monday. He's got a cervical nerve impingement. That's a something up in your neck, I believe. The team recalled left-hander Josh Rogers from AAA. Uh, Phil Hertz covers the Nationals for playing time today. So what do we make of this development in Washington? Well, Sanchez uh, had been expected to start Monday's game against Atlanta, and instead it was Rogers who got the start. Uh, Rogers had a decent result, allowing just one run over five uh, in the third innings. Walked two, but only struck out three. Rogers also had some success at the end of 2021, compiling a 3.28 ERA over 36 innings, but a 5.32 XERA 
uh, strikeout minus walk percentage of 5%, 11 BPB. All of those things suggest that success is not sustainable over the long term. Uh, Sanchez did not pitch in the majors in 2021, and in 2020 could only manage a 5.44 XCRA over 53 innings. So uh, given his age and injury history, hard to recommend him at this time. It was always kind of hard to recommend to Annabelle Sanchez. I remember one year where he came on like gangbusters and everybody got excited. And But overall, the, the record has been a little bit, well, more than a little bit disappointing, I think, because of the injuries, as you mentioned. As far as Josh Rogers, you mentioned a 5% strikeout minus walk rate, Nick. We're looking for 15% plus, are we not? Absolutely. I mean, that's what we need if we're, if we're going to uh, get to find much success out of a starting pitcher. So that's really low uh, and doesn't bode well uh, for his time in the majors. It does not. And uh, I think the, the top quality pitchers are over 20% difference. In fact, uh, 20% strikeouts minus walk percentage. And it turns out over the years, we've got all of these new uh, metrics and the stat cast data and all, all the rest of that kind of stuff. And I've, I've been reading some articles that say strikeout minus walk percentage is really still a tremendously accurate metric when you're trying to determine the general quality of a pitcher. It's something that you can calculate easily, and it's something that you should be paying attention to. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it is certainly something that I look at very closely when I'm trying to evaluate, uh, do I want to place a fab bid on someone? And if so, how much? And you have to be careful that you just don't look at, you know, strikeout minus walk rate for the last three games or something like that. You want to get a larger pitcher. And it translates pretty well from the minor leagues as well. I mean, it, your strikeouts go down a little when you come up to the majors. Your walks probably increase a little. But in general, if there's a nice wide gap between strikeouts and walks, that's a pretty good indicator that uh, a pitcher's got something good going on. Uh, let's move to the uh, offensive side of the field. In Arizona, the Diamondbacks recalled infielder Yanni Hernandez from AAA and sent infielder Drew Ellis down. Uh, what do we make of uh, Yanni Hernandez? It looks like he has one skill we should all be interested in. It does indeed. He, he was acquired just before the end of spring training from Texas, for whom he had a 5.67 OPS over 162 plate appearances in 2021. But he had 11 stolen bases and 13 attempts with Texas, uh, and has had as many as 44 stolen bases in the minors. Uh, so if he gets some playing time and finds a way to get on base, he could be an interesting speed option in, uh, in deep leagues. Uh, now the question is... Uh, how has he been doing? Uh, not so good so far in terms of getting on base. Uh, at this point, uh, Yanni Hernandez has uh, has uh, only had seen four at bats, uh, and no, he has no walks, no hits, uh, and hasn't had a chance to use that speed skill because he hasn't been able to get on base due to do that. Ellis was no uh, champion in that department either. He was one for eight to start the season with Josh Rojas out. But I think Arizona is looking in different directions, and rightly so. At least for now, this uh, Yanni Hernandez looks like he could be interesting, but it could be also one of those situations where it's a balancing act for your roster to consider maybe Yanni Hernandez is going to get me 10 bags, which is a point or two in the standings. 
But on the other hand, he's going to bat 205 or something like that and, and kill your batting average while he's doing it. So you have to figure out the, the balance of whether the one offsets the other sufficiently to make it worth your while. Uh, in Philadelphia, a pretty interesting story in playing time tomorrow by Brent Hershey, uh, co-general manager at BaseballHQ.com. He does a really good job working on our scouting team and also an excellent analyst. And he wrote the uh, playing time tomorrow piece on the National League East this week. And he pointed out that Philadelphia, his home team, by the way, is not getting a lot of offense from the center field spot. So he had a deep analysis. What is Philly going to do with that center field spot? Yeah, you know, uh, Philly has been scoring a lot of runs. And so uh, you, you don't you don't uh, worry too much about exactly what's going on. But in, in the center field spot, Matt Veerling at this point has 15 at-bats, uh, has zero hits, a, a, a uh, on-base percentage of 111. Uh, has has scored a run, has batted into uh, two runs somehow, but a BPV of minus 35. And you have to wonder if they're going to be looking for some better offense, even though they're doing fairly well. They haven't needed his offense. Um, uh, Harper, Castellanos, uh, Real Muto, Swarber have all been hitting very well, provided more than enough punch. So, uh, but, you know, what, what will Philadelphia do if Veerling continues struggling like that? Uh we have the, the universal DH and building had become the pitcher in the Philadelphia lineup. All of a sudden, uh, his starting gig was not by design. Uh, when the Cub re-signed Odubel Herrera after the lockout to a $1.75 million contract, Herrera figured at least to be the strong side of a platoon in center field, if not taking the full-time gig. But those plans were scuffled early on in spring training when Herrera strained a side muscle that has kept him sidelined until this week. He began a minor league rehab assignment uh, on Tuesday in Class A. And up until last Wednesday, it looked like uh, Mickey Moniak, former first overall pick, was going to grab at least a share of the playing time in center field after a really scorching spring at the plate. 371 batting average, five homers, four doubles, and 35 at-bats. He had gone suddenly from afterthought to platoon option, partially due to an adjustment that hitting coach Kevin Long and he made at the start of the spring. Uh, Moniak moved closer to the plate the batter's box and he hit with more authority than he's shown so far in his career so that adjustment and Herrera's injury was going to lead to significant major league baseball time for him but alas he was hit by a pitch on his hand in the final spring game last week and is out of action uh, which brings us back to Veerling who uh, impressed in a short sample at the very end of 2021 with notable uh, exit velocities and defensive versatility and even when Herrera returns Veerling who's a right-handed hitter is still likely to split time in center and put up uh, perhaps pitcher-like numbers in that in that roster spot. Given the firepower of the rest of the team, they don't need a big bat in center field, uh, just someone they can count on to make routine plays. And so Brearling will probably continue to get his at-bats until uh, both, both Herrera and Maniak are back. And certainly Major League Baseball has a long history of suffering uh, sort of subpar offense to get some great defense. I remember the old Orioles teams had Mark Belanger at shortstop and he couldn't hit a lick, but boy, oh boy, he could pick it at shortstop. And of course they had such awesome firepower, Frank Robinson, Boog Powell, Brooks Robinson, all those guys they didn't really need a, a lot of offense from that eight hole in the, in the lineup. And some of their pitchers could hit too. So it's not like there's a, uh, it would be a major league first if they were to accept subpar offense from their center field slot because they like the defense that they're getting. I just don't know. I, I don't know very, very much about this Veerling. Is he, I don't know, is he a Paul Blair out there? Is he a tremendous, like, world-class center fielder? Or is he just so-so, do you know? 
Yeah, I, I don't know a lot either about him in that regard, although it sounds as though he may be just kind of kind of so-so uh, in, in this point. So I guess the uh, bottom line here is if you're looking at Veerling for a spot on your roster, look somewhere else. Uh, Nick, this has been interesting, and of course, uh, Ray Murphy's on vacation this week and next, so you have graciously agreed to handle the American League for us as well, and so let's do that. We'll start in Toronto. Bad news for Teoscar Hernandez and his fantasy managers. He left Thursday's game against the Yankees, left oblique strain. Phil Hertz covers the team for playing time today. What's the prognosis here? Hernandez was injured on a swing, tried to stay in the game, but grounded out weakly and could barely run down the line and has gone on the Chinday DL. Um, some good news, he has had oblique injuries before and has not missed a lot of time. Indeed, last season he had an oblique issue and avoided the IL entirely. Uh, in 2020, he missed 10 days with another oblique injury, but his performance immediately after returning was a big drop-off. In the next 11 days after that, he slashed uh, 227, 277, 386, and then went one for seven in the playoffs. Yeah, it's interesting that we would say that he's had a lot of oblique injuries and has not really suffered too much uh, as far as uh, playing time loss and performance loss. But to me, that's a bit of a red flag, Nick. A guy who's had repeated injuries of the same body part, in this case, the left oblique, that to me is a red flag that, uh, you know, it just is one of those things that's never going to get better, especially given the strain that major league hitters put on their obliques. Uh, yes, it's certainly something to worry about if you have Hernandez on your roster. He's a great player to have. I love having having him as a uh, as a member of my fantasy team. But this is the kind of injury that uh, it, it's just a apparently a weakness in his body that's going to happen to him. Well, it's happened to him. So who figures to get the playing time with Hernandez on the IL? For now, the main beneficiary is likely to be Rymel Tapia, who came to the Jays in the offseason Randall Greichuk deal. Tapia produced twenty dollars in fantasy value both twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. But, of course, he played half his games in Coors Field. Uh, Bradley Zimmer could also get a playing time bump. He had eight homers, 15 steals, over 299 at-bats in 2021, and could be an option for managers in deep leagues. Yes, I bet he's going to be a big fab target in my American League only this weekend. Uh, Not so much for the home runs, but if he gets a chance to play, he will steal bases. He's been a successful base dealer and a pretty interesting guy from that point of view in deep leagues, as you said. Uh, Roger Center also plays a lot better for left-handed home runs than Coors. Tapia is a left-handed hitter, so I think he could flash a little added uh, home run production as well, depending on how much time he gets in the field and, and gets in the lineup. Staying with oblique injuries in Toronto, catcher Danny Jansen is going to miss several weeks with an oblique strain, according to manager Charlie Montoyo. Phil Hertz on this story for playing time today as well. What happens behind the dish in Toronto with Jansen out of the picture? Jansen was off to a really hot start. A couple of home runs, a 571 batting average. Um, his absence likely secures uh, Alejandro Kirk's playing time at catcher and DH. But Kirk was a hot commodity in this year's drafts and likely not in the free agent pool, except in very shallow leagues, um, like a 12-team team mixed league or something like that. Uh, both Zach Collins and Tyler Heineman will get some playing time at catcher. Not a lot of appeal there. Heineman last played in the majors in 2020 when he batted 190, a 170 expected batting average, over 42 homerless at bats. Collins recently came to Toronto in a trade with the White Sox. Hasn't been a whole lot better. Last season batted 210 with a 211 expected batting average, four homers, 195 at bats. 
Again, the big trade-off, right? Do I want four home runs for my catcher slot? Yes, I do, especially for my second catcher slot in a deeper league. But do I want a guy who hits 210? No, I don't, especially if a guy gets at bat. So it's a, it's one of those, uh, what do I want? What am I willing to put up with uh, on the downside to get this limited upside of four home runs? I guess it depends on how competitive your home run category is in your league. Maybe historically, if you look around and think, hey, four home runs, that's two points. And at 200 at-bats or 150 at-bats of 210 is not great, but it's not going to kill me to the same extent, especially if I have a lot of at-bats uh, elsewhere. In Tampa, Nick, boy, this is really bad news. A lot of fantasy managers, a lot of fantasy baseball touts were on. Luis Patino in Tampa for this year. He was on the 10-day IL already. They put him on the 60-day IL on Wednesday. Uh, Chris Olson covers the team for playing time today. What's the fallout here from Luis Patino's move to the 60? Well, Patino will be out until at least mid-June. His absence could prolong Josh Fleming's stay in the rotation, though his first turn on April 14th did not go so well. 3.1 innings pitched, five runs, seven hits, one walk, six strikeouts. Uh, the, those last two two numbers, not so bad, but the uh, the runs and the hits certainly are. If the Rays turn away from Fleming in the near term, Tony Romero might be the next man up, but his one outing in 2022 was a disaster. An inning and two-thirds, three earned runs, Two hits, five walks, only one strikeout. Yeah, Tommy Romero, 16-20 ERA this year, 4-20 whip, not too enticing. Uh, Chris Olson also noted the pending arrival of some cavalry from the IL. Ryan Yarbrough and Shane Baz are on the horizon. Yes, uh, Yarbrough went on the IL Monday with a groin strain, but he and the team think he'll miss just one start, and he could be back very soon. Uh, And while the team is proceeding with abundant caution with their star rookie Shane Baz, Tampa's president of baseball operations, uh, Eric Neander, said recently that Boz may be ready to start a rehab assignment by the beginning of May with a return to competition toward the end of the month or the beginning of June. The beginning of June would mean he missed fully one-third of the season, which is, I mean, it's better than missing the whole season or two-thirds of the season. But, boy, uh, what a disaster for people who took Shane Baz. And I, I count myself among them. I had great hopes for Shane Baz, and, uh, and unfortunately, uh, I still have great hopes for the two-thirds of the season we're going to get. But you hate to miss that one-third of the season, that's for sure. Yeah, very definitely. I mean, that's a lot of time to miss. Uh, and, and so you, you just hope he'll come back and stay healthy and do, do great things for you for the rest of the year. I've heard some analysis, Nick, that says, you know, well, he, he was going to be on an innings limit anyway, so maybe uh, you're not really missing as much as you think. But then what I think about that is if they were going to put him on an innings limit, I, I doubt whether they would put, it, put the innings limit on his total. I believe they would be more likely to put it on on a weekly basis or a game-by-game basis to keep his pitch counts down, keep down those uh, instances where a pitcher's pitching in trouble, those kind of things that really put a lot of extra strain on the arm. So if he was only down for 125 innings, say, for the year, people might think, well, they'll just telescope the 125 innings into two-thirds of the year, you know, and he'll just pitch the same amount of innings in the year, but way more innings per week. And I don't know if that's what Tampa has in mind. Yeah, I would I would guess, especially in Tampa, that's not what they have in mind. Uh, you, you don't want a re-injury. Uh, and so I think they would tend to put the, uh, you're right, the, the innings limit is likely to be a per-game innings limit. Uh, and uh, uh, he, he he simply will not get the number of innings I think that you're hoping for if you're looking at it the, the first way. 
In Minnesota, the Twins placed outfielder Alex Kirilov on the 10-day IL on Wednesday. He has a wrist injury, and what's ominous about this, it seems like we've been talking about guys who have the same injury over and over again. This is the same wrist that he had season-ending surgery last year. Rick Green covers the Twins for playing time today. Uh, Kirilov looks like he's out for a while anyway. What's going to happen in the Twins outfield meanwhile? Yeah, definitely not good news for Kirilov's fantasy for managers. And he had started the season one for 17 with seven strikeouts. Uh, admitted he hasn't been able to swing without pain. So it sounds like that, that injury, that wrist was not entirely healed. Was scheduled to see a hand specialist on Thursday. So we'll know more uh, perhaps after that once we get a report from that. From that. Uh, for now, Trevor Larnock has been recalled and we'll expect to see most of the playing time replacing Kirilov in the outfield. Nick Gordon and Gilbert Celestino could also get reps out there. Larnock has some pop, but will need to improve the 40% strikeout rate and the resulting sub-223 batting average he had in 2021. Slash 294, 400, 706 with two home runs this spring, but started at AAA with a frigid two for 19. Another one of these instances, Nick, where a strong spring, you mentioned a 1106 OPS, but probably, because of the way that spring training goes, probably not a lot of that offensive production was against top-quality major league pitching. Right. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, you've got to pay more attention, especially at AAA. A 2-for-19 start uh, is not really great. <laughs> not really great is uh, understanding it. In Los Angeles, the Angels put their infielder David Fletcher on the 10-day IL on Tuesday because of a hip strain and recalled infielder Andrew Velazquez from AAA. Uh, Jock Thompson covers the Angels for playing time today. Uh, what happens with the Angels in the infield? No time at this, no word at this point on how much time Fletcher might miss. Uh, Velazquez will likely see significant shortstop time over the next few weeks as the club's best defender there, but his career 516 OPS over 166 at bats says fantasy man- managers can uh, and should ignore him at all but very, very deep leagues. Uh, the injury should also cement playing time for infielder Tyler Wade, who has played on all seven Angels games this year and could be a useful source of stolen bases, although not much else. Uh, six home runs and 507 career plate appearances, 214 career batting average. But, of course, stolen bases are hard to come by, as we know, in this league. And if Tyler Wade can contribute 16 to 20 stolen bases, and he's had that kind of production in the past, I think Tyler Wade might be somebody that people should be looking at, not strongly, especially in shallower leagues like a 15-team mixed. You'd have to have some pretty serious injury troubles of your own before you'd start looking at a guy like Tyler Wade. But in some leagues, it might uh, be worth looking at, especially if you think your stolen base category is going to be tight. Uh, one of the stories of 2021, Nick, was a terrific season by Detroit outfielder Robbie Grossman. But he left Tuesday's game because of what he called groin tightness. Uh, Tom Kephart covers the Tigers for playing time today. What's the latest? Grossman is officially day-to-day. He did some uh, drills Thursday in Kansas City and said afterwards he thought he would uh, miss the IL and be back in action very soon. In the meantime, a playing time bump for outfielder Victor Reyes, who got the start Wednesday in right field. Reyes is likely to be Grossman's primary replacement uh, while he is sidelined. Reyes is a speedster with an aggressive plate approach, seldom taking free passes. He has a very limited pop. Uh, But there you go again. Another guy can steal bases. Worth a look 
if uh, for no other reason than that. Uh, we have a new column at BaseballHQ.com finally, Nick. Uh, lineup outlook. I talked about this with Ray briefly last week. Uh, Greg Jewett looks at how big league teams are changing their lineups and how those lineup changes affect player values for fantasy purposes. And in this week's edition, Greg looks at three players, including Austin Meadows in Detroit. And what he says is pretty interesting reading. Yeah, this is a very interesting weekly column. Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, many hitters improve once they leave Tampa Bay since the hitter's eye at Tropicana Field often depresses results, like Woody Ad- Willie Adams doing to Milwaukee, for example. Uh, Meadows did not have home and road splits, but he did struggle with left-handed pitching last year, putting him into a potential platoon situation with the Rays. Rotations in the other four American League East rotations have seven left-handed pitchers, which could have depressed playing time for Meadows. So the trade to Detroit helps in this regard because the American League Central has only three southpaws in current rotations, two of those in Kansas City. So noting that teams still play the additional 19 games within their division, Meadows figures to see more than 20% additional plate appearances, even if he gets days off versus left-handed pitching. And he mashes right-handed pitching. Almost 90% of his home runs, career 881 on base percentage plus slugging, a 273 batting average against right-handers. Uh, Detroit also, Detroit has hit Meadows second during his first seven starts, which means more plate appearances against beneficial pitcher handedness, which means more counting stats. And finally, 23 career stolen bases, with 15 of those hitting first and second in the lineup. So overall, extra plate appearances versus right-handed pitching could improve his season average. Add three or four home runs and a couple of bags. Possibly he hits 260 or even better with a chance at 30 home runs and seven stolen bases. That's something worth looking at. But Austin Meadows was likely to have been drafted in many instances as a some somewhat of a sleeper, a little lower round guy, and uh, probably is not going to be available in, in many leagues. Might still be time to make a trade offer, though. Very, very definitely. Might be a good time to make a trade offer before he, he uh, displays those skills uh, in, in uh, Detroit and begins really picking up some stats. Not the greatest home park to be hitting home runs in, but he's got the kind of power, I think, that can reach the fences in Comerica Field uh, with the best of them. Nick, uh, thanks very much for helping us out, especially on short notice, uh, picking up the American League report. Do appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, thank you, Patrick. Harold Nichols is a pitcher matchups analyst at BaseballHQ.com and our regular beat reporter covering the National League here at Baseball HQ Radio, of course, doing double duty with the American League as well. When we come back, our Baseball HQ commentaries, Alex Becky's frequent flyer, and my extra innings coming up next on Baseball HQ Radio. Right now, though, it's time in the show when I get to let you know about some of the great content that lets us say BaseballHQ.com is the best fantasy baseball website in the business. In the GM's office, co-general manager Brent Hershey explains the refreshed starting pitcher matchups tool at BaseballHQ.com, updated to be more effective for both daily and weekly moves. In Playing Time Tomorrow roster forecasting, it's Brent Hershey again, busy guy, looking at all five teams in the American League Central, including Juan Duran in the Minnesota closer situation, Cleveland's dire catching situation, and how the three shortstop infield in Kansas City might affect the Royals' pitchers. In our skills columns, we have some early observations by starting pitcher analyst Stephen Nickrand and bullpen's columnist Doug Dennis. 
And those are just four articles among literally dozens, a small sampling of all the great content you'll find at BaseballHQ.com all the time. We have player performance validation in facts and flukes, news updates in playing time today, roster forecasting, as I mentioned, in playing time tomorrow. The buyer's guides cover hitters, starters, and relievers. We have fantasy market analysis in the market pulse. Matt Cedarholm's column, The Big Hurt, looks at all the injuries, and we have groundbreaking fantasy baseball research. As well, there are tools like the player projections updated every day. We have depth charts, daily dashboards, pitcher matchups planners, bullpen indicators, batter consistency reports, complete pitcher PQS logs, potential sergers and faders, and other leading indicators for hitters and pitchers. When you add it all up, you'll see expert content plus tools you can use to improve your teams and win your leagues. And they're why we call our site the best fantasy baseball website in the business. Baseball HQ Radio. And welcome back to Baseball HQ Radio. I'm Patrick Davitt. Time now for our regular commentaries. My extra innings comment is coming right up, but leading off, it's the frequent flyer. A commentary on players who might be available in your free agent pool and who have the potential to get enough playing time and production to make them worth a spot on your roster. Here with a look at Dodgers right-handed starter Bobby Miller is Baseball HQ analyst Alex Becky. He's the best arm in the Los Angeles Dodgers system, according to Baseball HQ's 2022 Minor League Baseball Analyst, and perhaps he's punctuated that by already striking out Shohei Otani in an exhibition game. Whoa, wait a minute. That's a pretty bold statement. He's the best arm in the Los Angeles Dodgers system? After all, the Dodgers do have a very, very deep system. Therefore, for our purposes, let's soften that statement slightly for this segment by saying perhaps, notice the qualifier, 23-year-old Los Angeles Dodgers right-handed starter Bobby Miller is one, another qualifier, of the best arms in the Los Angeles Dodgers system. Now let's add in the official Frequent Flyer Weekly Disclaimer, whereby 23-year-old Los Angeles Dodgers right-handed starter Bobby Miller, like all of our Frequent Flyers, should be considered to be a long shot, who may be worth the flyer if he is still available in your league. Whew. So we've already established that Bobby Miller is one of the best pitchers of the Dodgers system, and that perhaps he's a long shot who may debut in 22. Does that mean he's perhaps one of the best long shots for 2022? Possibly. The Athletic reported in early March, March 10th, 2022 to be exact, that Dodgers president of baseball operations, Andrew Friedman, said in October that Miller would be on the big league radar for 2022, despite never pitching above double A. In other words, if Miller is already on the Dodgers big league radar, maybe he should be on your radar too. And speaking of radar, Baseball HQ's 2022 Minor League Baseball Analyst on page 95 described Miller's triple-digit heat on his four-seam fastball and his equally impressive two-seamer, sitting at 93 to 98 miles per hour with good arm side run, along with an upper 80 slider in addition to a tricky bender, or curve, and an improving changeup. The Athletic further reported on March 10th that Miller spent much of the offseason working on his velocity and getting more ride or carry on his four-seam fastball, as well as developing a new, harder, cutter-like slider to help keep hitters off of his other off-speed offerings. Wow, look out! Pair that new slider with his 101-mile-per-hour fastball and the rest of Miller's impressive pitch arsenal, and perhaps it all adds up to, or will add up to, the best arm in the Los Angeles Dodgers system. 
Either way, checking the numbers, it certainly adds up to 23-year-old Los Angeles Dodgers right-handed starter Bobby Miller being our frequent flyer for this week. For Baseball HQ Radio, I'm Alex Becky of BaseballHQ.com. Baseball HQ analyst Alex Becky has his frequent flyer commentary here at Baseball HQ Radio every week. Now it's time for Extra Innings, my comment on baseball and fantasy baseball, and this week I'd like to talk about some hot starts by three Cleveland hitters, and only one of them a guy you'd expect. We're barely a week into the 2022 season, so the sample sizes are absurdly short of what's needed for an intelligent analysis. But I figure, what the heck, if you wanted intelligent analysis, you'd be listening to a podcast from The Economist. But even if the performances are more fluke than fact, I'm going to look at my favorite fantasy stories of this fresh year, and they're all about Cleveland Guardians hitters. I think the best story of the young season so far has to be Stephen Kwan, a young outfielder for the Guardians. Through his first six games and 29 plate appearances, Kwan reached base 18 times before he took an offer on Wednesday of this week. The thing about Stephen Kwan, he almost never swings and misses. His first whiff this season came on his 116th pitch, and even that was a foul tip, and believe it or not, people argue about whether that's a swinging strike. He has a 100% contact rate on pitches in the strike zone when he swings at him, which isn't often, and 95% contact when he swings out of the zone. He told reporters he learned not to strike out when he was a little kid, because he'd bust out crying whenever he struck out. He was a bat-to-ball wonder child all the way up through college ball with Oregon and the minor leagues where he was the best contact maker in all the minors for a couple of years in a row. In the majors this year, he has eight walks and just one strikeout so far. Even after Wednesday's offer, he's batting 526 with a 655 on base percentage thanks to a 28% walk rate. A 28% walk rate! Is this guy the next Barry Bonds? Well, no. Bonds had power to go with all that on base. His ISO is over 400 in his peak years, and Quan's is barely over 200. But he plays a very solid outfield, and even if he levels off offensively, he seems to have the on-base skills that will make him an excellent top-of-the-order guy. Of course, this magic fairy train ride that he's on right now will end, and pretty soon. The league will quickly get to know him, so pitchers will know to attack him earlier in the count, and he'll see more infield shifts because he pulls a lot of ground balls. But we should all be rooting for him, because even though he's very young, he's an old-timey ball player, and heaven knows baseball could use a few more of those. Another very high-contact guardian this year has been first baseman Owen Miller. He's not at Quan's level in that regard, but he is sporting a 90% contact rate while hitting 7th and 8th in the Cleveland order. He has two home runs, both in one game against Cincinnati, six RBIs, and eight runs, which is pretty good in the bottom of that order. He doesn't walk as much as Quan, nobody does, but he gets about 5% of his plate appearances based on balls. He has good, not great stat cast metrics for the most part, 70th to 80th percentile in most of the hard hit metrics, and while he has a poor 19% chase rate, likes those balls out of the zone, he also has an elite 97th percentile swing and miss rate and strikeout rate. He can also run a little bit, though we haven't seen much of that department on the base pass so far. And yes, like with Quan, there are some fluky aspects, most notably a hit rate over 50% for Owen Miller and a home run per fly ball rate of 40%. But he seems to be tuning into Cleveland's philosophy of high contact and cutting down on strikeouts is just a positive for any player. He qualified at second base coming into this year. He'll pick up first base eligibility on the weekend. 
And finally, Jose Ramirez, no surprise at the top of any offensive pile. I'm taking credit for this one. It's the first year in several that I didn't go for J-Ram in tout wars. And here's what he's doing. A 480 batting average, three home runs, 14 RBIs, five runs scored. And what does that tell you about the Guardians lineup? His walk rate thus far is about half of the 13 to 14% we would expect from previous seasons, but his strikeout has also fallen by half, also around 7%. One note of caution so far is that Ramirez has no stolen bases. It might be because he hasn't stopped at first base that often this season. Seven extra base hits in the 15 times he's reached base. We weren't expecting much fantasy value this year from Cleveland hitters, I think, although Ramirez was, of course, a first-rounder, and Miles Straw got a lot of juice in the ADPs because of his stolen base potential. He has four already in the young season. But with this young core, it could be the tales of the demise of Cleveland baseball might have been a little exaggerated. I sure hope so. For Baseball HQ Radio, I'm Patrick Davitt. I have my extra innings commentary here at Baseball HQ Radio every week. And that's Baseball HQ Radio for Friday, April the 15th. Thanks very much for taking the time to download and listen to show number 14 of the 2022 Fantasy Baseball season. I also want to thank our regular commentators from BaseballHQ.com, the best fantasy baseball website in the business. Our Market Watch commentator was Harold Nichols, stepping up to do double duty with news from both leagues. And our frequent flyer commentator was Baseball HQ analyst Alex Becky. I'm Patrick Davitt, Extra Innings commentator and the host of Baseball HQ Radio. I sure hope to see you on those BaseballHQ.com subscriber forums. Also, remember you can stay in contact with Baseball HQ on Facebook and on our Twitter feed at BaseballHQ. You can also follow my personal Twitter feed at Patrick Davitt, where you'll always be the first to know when a new podcast is available. Please tell your friends about Baseball HQ Radio and take a second to go to Google Pods, Apple Pods, Pocket Cast, wherever you catch your pods, and leave Baseball HQ Radio a good review and a rating. It does help us find new listeners, and new listeners help us keep this podcast going. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again next Friday with a Friday full edition featuring a guest expert interview as well as all the other great stuff. That's next Friday on the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio. Talk to you next week, and for now, so long. Baseball HQ Radio is a weekly free podcast available through iTunes and other podcast aggregators, or directly from BaseballHQ.com, where we have an archive of past shows as well. Just look for the HQ Radio microphone logo on the right side of the BaseballHQ.com homepage. Baseball HQ Radio is a production of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The opinions expressed on Baseball HQ Radio are those of the individual speaking and not necessarily those of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The program is produced and edited by Patrick Davitt.